I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Just a quick reminder that in March, we're going to be changing the release schedule back to one episode a week on a Monday. This is initially while I'm taking part in the Primary Education Summit, where I'm going to be hosting four live discussions and generally helping coordinate everything for that event. Um, If you don't know about that, please do check it out. It's at nape.org.uk forward slash summit. Now today, I'm delighted to be chatting to Shamanth Pereira. Now, with a background in finance, an aha moment from an exhausted mother of three occurred when cleaning up her then four-year-old's hundredth toy roll lovingly placed down the loo. This waste and the fact that we cut down 27,000 trees daily fueled Samantha to create something cheeky, a bamboo fully decomposing organic toilet and kitchen rolls delivered to your door without a piece of plastic in sight. The Something Co. now delivers toilet rolls and kitchen paper towels across the UK from Loch Lomond to Land's End. The mission is to offer a range of sustainable everyday essentials to customers. This fantastic conversation where we not only talk about the idea of sustainability in the environment, of course, within this sort of context, but also how it's sort of opening up the conversation with schools in terms of how they are doing it within the school and also how you're having those conversations with children and their view on obviously having to take the the slack for all the things that have happened in previous years from us that are adults. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Shamanth Pereira. Hi, Shaman. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. We do cover some amazing topics, but I think things related to uh, sustainability and everything related to the environment, and it's such an important thing for everybody, but I think it's very much on the front of people's minds, especially younger people and and schools specifically. So thanks very much for being here. This is going to be a great conversation. Yes, I'm a absolute pleasure to be on your podcast, and I'm really excited to talk to you today. So tell us, first of all, what is something organic? Just give us that kind of exactly what it is in a nutshell, and then we'll we'll dive into exactly how you got there and how it's developing. Yes, so uh, we actually call something co, although the the business um, the business name, if you were to go Google and company's house is something organic, London Co, but we're trading as something co. So something co is all about making it easy for families to be eco-friendly. And how it all started is, you know, I have three young boys and I was very conscious of the amount of, gen- of, the amount of waste as, as a young family we generate. And, you know, instead of bemoaning our fate that, you know, there's not many options out there, I decided to do something about it because my then four-year-old thought it was funny to just keep flushing loo rolls, like brand new ones, the bog rolls down the loo. And, and I hate fishing them out but after doing it like the third or the fourth time I thought oh gosh how much am I wasting now and how are we making this I just got curious and then one thing led to another and I thought you know what there's so many ways we can change 
the way things are made, you know, all these everyday essentials that we don't really think much about on the supermarket aisles, we can actually find better ways to make them that, that then pollutes less and, you know, we are not leaning into deforestation, we're actually finding sustainable alternatives. So, you know, in a nutshell, it came about through my own problems and now I thought if I had it, I'm sure lots of other families who want to do something, um, but, you know, as a family you're too overwhelmed, then you just don't think about it. But here we say, you know what, just make small changes to your shopping habits and it will be a great leap for the planet. Absolutely. And that's the that's the message I hear so much now. It's just that those small intentional ideas of things that you want to make a difference in and and that's what changes the sort of the liners kind of path as it were you don't even notice it straight away but not very far down the line it's a completely different world that you're affecting but also that you notice yourself as well exactly exactly it's just like um you know when a bamboo grows you probably have to water it for nearly two to three years or, or you know some of them actually grow a lot faster but for the longest time you probably don't see anything shooting up but when it shoots up it's there, you see it, and then even when you cut it, it keeps shooting up right back again. So you need to nurture it. So that nurturing part is where now we need to encourage people to do that small habit changes, and as, as time goes on, you will see a change. And I guess the the big question in this scenario is always kind of, I ideally like to do this, but it's going to take more time, more effort, more money, all of that kind of thing. So I'm sure you've come up against this many times before. So so give us a sort of an idea of those sorts of questions that you're sort of answering. So we typically get, um, you know, isn't isn't going green more expensive? And the truth is, it's not. Because when, when you compare like for like, for example, one of the products that I sell is bamboo toilet paper. And we have 300 sheets as opposed to what you get in the supermarket, which is about, they typically range from 180 to 220 sheets. And then we say we have three ply. So when you actually look at it, the cost per sheet, we work out a lot cheaper or comparable actually to a lot of your mainstream brands and what we keep hearing from customers that that you know who tries they go like oh I actually need to delay my shipment because I have a lot of loo rolls and and that says a lot I mean as as a brand you want to sell more but that's one of the best news I can get because that means they are saving more because you know they have a lot more left and I think that's what most people don't realize when you spend say you know three or four pounds or five pounds for, for what you get but you're replenishing that every three weeks every four weeks or, or whatever it is you know depending on your family consumption you don't think much about it but it all adds up and if you actually sat down and looked at how much you spent in a month in a year it's quite staggering how much you can actually save so you know the cost element does come up but I would encourage people to actually look at it from its price per unit because that's where you actually see a lot of the savings and for example say if they were to buy a, a loofah or, or a sponge made from a sustainable material it may it may say it may cost like three pounds versus your typical sponges that come in plastic that cost you a pound but that loofah is going to last you six months whereas this sponge you're going to replace it in the next two to three weeks so you're actually spending more in six months compared to that four pounds that lasted you so you know your price per use is actually a lot more cost effective and I think that's what people need to start thinking it's buying quality over quantity because 
this is where you know i think which is most evident is in fast fashion right they just buy stuff which is cheap but it doesn't last long the same concept can be applied to your everyday essentials as well because you know you may think that item looks premium but that's actually going to last you a long time and you can put it in your dishwasher you can wash it you can reuse it that's that's a lot of money saved there and, and all these small things that that you seemingly don't think about when you start changing you will see how much your your typical spending bill goes down you know and i think right now every penny counts yeah i think you're absolutely right and it really does also like you say it needs looking at in order to fully appreciate it doesn't it because it's like you know i'm just buying a coffee here a coffee there and then before you know it you spent you know tens if not hundreds of pounds a month just on like i'm just picking up you know another three pounds here and there um and it's only actually when you sit down and go through a statement you go I had no idea I was quite doing that. And I, I think this is exactly the same thing, being really intentional about looking exactly what you spend and how long it it lasts you and, and what that replenishment is, is the only way that you really can make those decisions in a sort of a conscious way. Exactly. And I think that's what we need to have a habit change and a mindset change more than anything else before we can adopt this new, I say new way, but it's really to, to adopt a better way, I would say, to help our planet. Because one of the things we what we don't see we think it's it's all fine but the reality is the oceans are polluted with a lot of single-use plastic that comes from post-consumer waste and the only reason it ends up there is because we don't value this plastic as much as we would value i don't know like a chanel bag or something you know and that's why it ends up there and if we did value the plastic as much as we did then we would try and find ways to reuse them again and again and again and really that's where um, you know, we can we can reduce one the pollution to also the the emission that comes from making this plastic and then getting discarded almost immediately. Yeah, and I'm kind of hoping that, you know, on today's conversation, it's it's making people think I'm going to be intentional about changing that. But I'm also interested in terms of, of schools themselves. You know, are you providing schools with it? Is that becoming not just a we're delivering this now, but actually it's part of that kind of sustainable conversation that's going on in a real practical sense? Yes, I think we are slowly starting to to talk to schools and, and some schools already have sustainability conversations embedded in as part of their school journey, if you like. I mean, perhaps more as a as a one off rather than an everyday thing, which I would prefer if they started including them in their syllabus. But I think most schools are slowly starting to adopt them. But more so than anything right now, there's a lot of things that schools can do to be more energy efficient, to be more cost efficient, to also, you know, in, in through the actions that they do every day in school, inspire kids and show them how they can, they can live better lives, so to speak. But also what, what, a lot of surveys have found actually a lot of the Gen Z and young kids have climate anxiety. They are afraid of their future. They think that, you know, the future is so bleak for them that, that they don't know what to do and they feel overwhelmed. So I think with the kids, you know, especially with my young children, I educate them every day so that they are conscious, you know, wh when they discard a plastic paper, what happens to it and, and how that's going to impact the future. Because I think they are inheriting this world and they need to know how to manage it, I guess. You know, my perhaps our grandparents and great grandparents were the ones who started, <laughs> in a way, using all these things that 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 has landed us here today, and and fortunately, unfortunately, our children will be the ones having to clean up our mess, and so we need to equip them from now on how they can go about doing that. 
Yeah, and I think it comes in two twofold, really, doesn't it? Because there's that sense of we really are using too much of this sort of stuff, and we need to actually change that. But I think for children, um, especially the younger ones, you know, when you don't have much say necessarily in your life, I think that's often where the overwhelm comes because all this everything is happening and and I've got no control over that which is a a life thing as well as just a obviously a climate related thing so as soon as you're able as a school or or a household to to model we're doing this because it's like you're taking control of a situation in the way that you can and that's all we can do about anything and I think then all of a sudden you kind of think well actually I'm making a difference and I can tell the people that I'm going to see tomorrow that we're, we're doing this and maybe that's going to help as well and, and sort of spread the word and I think then you kind of feel that you've got a bit of ownership to it and at that point you start to feel like like I say the outcome is actually less bleak maybe or, or that you've actually got some input which is going to make a big difference. Yes and I think you know what what most people fail to realize is that it's those small actions that make a huge difference because think about it if if every one of us in the UK or even globally just did one small change you know whether they whether that single-use plastic that they bought they used it again or whether it's you know switching off the lights in their rooms when they when they are not in that that in itself that small action has already contributed a huge amounts overall collectively and that's what people need to realize it's about these small actions that all adds up collectively so sometimes we think oh gosh the problem is so big you know, can can me one person make a difference anyway? And the answer is absolutely, because that that one action that you take is going to inspire the person next to you, and they're going to go like, oh, she's doing it, or he's doing it. Oh yeah, I think I should try that as well. And then it just, you know, it, it becomes a knock-on effect. And that's what um, helping and teaching kids in terms of taking ownership. Oh yes, you know what? You can make a difference, and this is how you do it through the small changes. Because I think with young kids, it's about you know, we always just tell them, take small steps, you know, it's okay if you make mistakes, just keep learning and relearning. And I think the same needs to be applied in terms of the bigger problems as well that we're facing. And yes, we can help governments and, you know, the scientists in terms of, okay, they've set a 1.50, sorry, a 1.5 temperature target that we shouldn't go above that. What does that mean? Let's trickle that down and keep trickling it down. And when you come to the grassroots, it's actually let's not you know cut down more trees okay how do we not how do we do that let's find good sustainable alternatives so if 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 this particular company is making i don't know like a spoon in a more sustainable way and and it lasts longer then that's a better option to what you know you have as a mass market at the moment and it's 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 two things it's you know what the options that they have that's why small businesses you know are are the I guess I say are the future that's because we are consciously changing the way things are made we are consciously looking at the supply chain making sure that it's sustainable that it's greener that we're doing the right things whereas with larger corporations as much as they want to do it it is so fragmented and there's no one ownership because it's you know with a small business it's my company what I say reflects on me whereas in a bigger company there's so many different levels and points of management and and before you know it no one really wants to you know take ownership of it so so that's the difference yeah it makes perfect sense and and on a real practical sense you know if if people listening think 
I've won, maybe not come across this before, but I want to be able to do this. Um, how do they go about it in, in, in terms of what you provide? Is it a question of going to the website? Is it somewhere you can get installed? Tell us a little bit about that sort of availability. So I currently sell two products, which is bamboo toilet paper and kitchen paper towel, and I sell it online on my website, which is somethingco.com. So that's the easiest way to get hold of it. I am looking at, um, I've been invited to, to sell on Amazon, and I've been looking into that. There are different things that I'm debating about, but you know, I think one one way for me to look at it is to help these companies become better is by, by also giving them the opportunity to sell better things. And... Um, I guess in the new year, I will be looking at the, the bigger supermarkets. But for me, it's it's not so much um, going into the larger supermarkets because what I really want for people to do is have the option to, to be able to get it from the comfort of your home because in this day, it's about having that comfort. It's about having the flexibility of things getting delivered to your door. You know, it's it's about a time thing because, you know, if you're a parent, you know time is, is of essence and if you can save some time from running to the supermarket to get your toilet rolls or kitchen paper towel then and, and it gets delivered to your door i would sign up for that more than running to the supermarket <laughs> yeah for sure um and tell me a little bit about the journey that got you here because th- th- there'll be many of us listening who think this is not a good idea for me i'm wasting like say using too much plastic or I'm wasting too much toilet paper or, or um, and I'd like to do something different. But it's one thing having that idea, but it's another actually setting up a business, making it a reality and actually being available for people. So what made the difference between you thinking this would be a really good idea and getting it to a point where you're actually delivering it in real life in inverted commas? Um, I think it was always in me to, to want to make a difference, if you like. So, you know, I, I can't remember who, ex- who who told me this, but it was some either someone in my family or a teacher, you're like, instead of just complaining about things, just go and find a solution and do it. I think at some point when I was younger, I was probably complaining about X or Y and Z, and, and someone actually said, stop complaining, be the solution. Don't be the problem, be the solution. And I think I kept that to heart. And and so when, you know, when I became a parent and, and working the city was, was something that I found challenging and I wanted something more flexible, I guess I found be, being an entrepreneur, starting a business was one way to, to, to go about it. And for me, I saw, I saw startup as a series of experiments. So let's okay, there is this problem, I think this is the solution, let's test it out and see see what results I get. And if it doesn't work, it's okay, because you know what, at the end of the day, you have to measure your results based on real data. And that comes from, I guess, to an extent, from studying science and engineering, you always have an hypothesis, you test it, and then you make a decision based on it. And I kind of keep that close to heart. And so for me, it's about being, I guess it's also breaking my fear barrier really you know we all have that fear barrier and it's right okay you know what if this doesn't work how will people perceive me i think after having children really all that just flew away it's like you know what i want to inspire my kids i want to show them what they can do because i wanted to be a good role model for them as well and and in some ways you know i guess they inspired me to do this and i'm like okay you know what i'm on my a game now i have to show up and and in some ways you know my my second son he's he's really taken to it and and he's got his own business ideas about what he wants to do and which is quite nice to see so for me it was just i had an idea you know I just said, let's test it out. I mean, what's the worst? If it doesn't work, it's okay. 
Yeah, I love that. There, there are so many great learning things in there, which I, you know, great advice, you know, be the solution and, and just get on with it. I mean, that's just really great advice. And and you, you do have this very kind of light disposition, which I think is so often missing for, for younger people in school, because it's about, I need to make sure that I get a good mark, or I need to do this, or I need to do that. Otherwise, they sort of feel like the weight of the world's on their shoulders a little bit. And I think in whatever way you can go about life by going to give it a go. I'm going to see, like, you know, everything you're doing, everything you're studying is about collecting data because, you know, this worked really well because I studied hard. This didn't because I didn't. This didn't work well because I was yesterday at a tournament playing football and I wasn't able to get to the school. You know, whatever it happens to be, it's a lot of it is just getting all that data, realizing what works, what doesn't. And then, like I said, being intentional about how you then want to set your life up and what you want to make a difference personally to you. And that one also then giving that back to the world. And I think, you know, that is like say is something you can give to your children directly and that's why i love the podcast so much because it's a way that we can share it into everyone who's listening and hopefully that sort of drip feeds in, in into how they're showing up in their world as well i guess also you touch on a very interesting point about you know in school and how we become conscious and and i have to say i grew up in in asia in malaysia and and over there you know school is a very traditional system and and we were always you know we, we always had to get your a's you know you had to get like 99% and if you get 99 they'll ask you why didn't you get that extra 1% where did that go <laughs> and there was always this pressure to want to do well so much so that people were afraid to fail they were afraid to make mistakes and and for me it was like you know what I want to break free from that I don't want my children to experience that and so with, with all of them I tell them you know what it's okay if you don't understand something right now and if your peers do you will get there eventually and and just keep trying and and so what if you don't make it try the harder questions don't be afraid because the one thing sometimes we tend to be afraid to do is to try the harder stuff because what if you fail and i go and i tell them you know what if you try the harder one and you fail that's brilliant because you tried something hard and and i guess you know that's that's something i i hope they take on and and i hope they have actually <laughs> indeed and i'm always interested like say from that learning experience is there a school teacher or or a, a general school learning experience which you was impactful for you and maybe how you sort of started to use that like say in your own sort of teachings within your family um i think it was just a series of just you know experiencing life in general really because in 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 school in Asia, it was very different. It was very strict. It was very, you know, conservative in terms of how how things were were um, were imparted. But then when I went to university, I realized uh, when I did my masters in London, it was a very completely different system where it's slightly more independent and it's not so much where the teacher talks and you just listen and and kind of going from one change to the other really really pushed me out of my comfort zone and I think that's when I realized that you know you need to speak up and it's okay if you say something silly because you are probably going to say silly things till till you start you know saying something smart because that's how you learn really <laughs> and I think it's tr really through a series of experiments or, or rather you know just just making silly mistakes really and I think I I always don't shy away from saying hey I, I think I made something silly and some people kind of go oh my god she just said she did something something silly and and some people kind of take that the the other way you know the wrong way you're like oh god she just owned up to her weakness but you know what for me I'm comfortable with myself and I know that 
you take your learnings from anywhere, whether it's from my eight-year-old or from my two-year-old or, you know, from someone older than me, there's so much you can learn from, from any, anyone at any age. And I think showing up like that, where you're very happy to be you, like you say, and, and just pointing out the honesty of what's going on, you know, that worked, that didn't work. Hey, um, you know, that's, that's fine. And I'm now going to do this. And you sort of show that path. And I think that really probably comes back to like say i said before about that kind of lightness about it it's just a a series of events it's a series a series of situations which kind of enables you then just to to take the next step in your life and i think yeah it really it really is refreshing because i think so often that like I say, there are people who just can't do that because you have to have your like your social media face on or your social media kind of sense of kind of it has to look good. It has to be your best version. These were my great results. I'm not going to tell you so much about the ones I got the week before, which weren't so good. <laughs> and I think just that showing up and this is me today. This is what we've got. This is what we've learned. And then tomorrow's another day and we'll see where we are then. Yes, I think, you know, it, it came through practice, I have to say, as well, because I used to work in banking where you had to be on your A-game all the time and showing weakness is probably not the best thing to do because, you know, <laughs> you had to be on your A-game. And, and it was only after after having children and, and kind of stepping off stepping off the accelerator, if you like, from there. It took me it took me some time to kind of get comfortable with making mistakes. So it, it has been a journey. It wasn't something that, you know, like a switch on or switch off. But one day I just sat there and asked myself, is anyone going to remember me for the mistakes that I did in this small project? I can't even remember the mistakes I, I made like a year ago, let alone five years ago. But if you did something and it became impactful, people will remember you for that. And then when you talk about the challenges along, it's easier to connect the dots looking backwards, right? But it's harder when you're when you're looking forward. But I think, you know, I one day I just said, you know what, I'm I'm feeling embarrassed, but I'm just gonna do it. And then and then it just got easier and easier. So I did it once, then I did it again, and then I did it again. So so you know, for those who are listening and feel like it can be difficult taking that first step, but just do it, you know. Do it maybe the first time. I don't know if you have to do public speaking or whatever it may be. Maybe have a comfort friend nearby, but but you have to take that step. That's the only way to grow. Kind of throw yourself at the yeah, deep end. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's and that's the perfect um, description, isn't it? It's that you're you're growing and you want to step into it and you want to take ownership of it and you and it's a journey and and you take that part and hopefully, like say, you've got that support network and if you're going to be intentional about it rather than expecting it just to change, then like I say, small steps, comfort, people around you to help support, um, all those things, all the things that you know are really important to, I think, to hear even earlier on in life as well because it's we often say when you're sort of looking back and maybe telling sort of teenagers or you know some advice that you want to share even if they don't take it on board if they never hear it then they're not going to know about it and you know you you like you say you walk into that way of thinking whenever suits you on your journey but you have to be informed about what these things are in order to, for that to, to make a difference now the the acronym fire as part of education on fire is really really important obviously to us and by that we mean feedback inspiration resilience and empowerment what's your first thought when you when you hear those four words and, and sort of how can you relate that to, to your journey i think it encapsulates my journey brilliantly so you said feedback um inspiration resilience and empowerment and and that's and that sort of sums up startup brilliantly because you need the resilience to move ahead and 
and you're constantly empowered by the journey that you take because you know whatever you're launching or whatever your business is in you need to love it enough and and you need to love it in the good days and in the bad days for you to to move ahead and so really you need to feel empowered by by that big mission to move forward and also in terms of inspiration you know you want to inspire those around you but you also want to be inspired by what you've seen and the change that you can make and as always as i mentioned you know it's a series of experiments so you get your feedback and you keep iterating sometimes a business model may work or may not work and then you just have to pivot and sometimes pivoting is is tricky for some but then you just have to do it because you know if a business model is not working there's no point sticking to it so so yeah i think you know it, it sums up startups perfectly and just tell us again the the website because i think for people listening i know on there that sort of the idea of of what's involved in what you're creating is really important as well so you know i, I want teachers to have these conversations with their senior leadership to see if they can they can make that difference i want them to be able to have the conversations with the children so that they can maybe take that home and, and they can do it as well and i think the idea about the real practicalities of like say the way you can use bamboo the way that it's ever growing from that point of view rather than the chopping down trees so so tell us the actual website name again but also tell us some of those bits of key bits of information that people should be looking out for when they visit so the website's called somethingco.com so it's somethingco.com and if you visit um the page where we talk about mission we also talk about um something cares as we put it so so those pages we we go into a little bit more depth where we talk about why um, you know, specifically because the two products we have now is made from bamboo. So we're talking about that, but we, I also have other products coming up. So then, you know, we will kind of, we will update the website based on that. But, but it's, it's all about educating people where, especially in schools, you can talk about, you know, um, currently a lot of stuff is made from, from wood pulp and we're chopping down trees unnecessarily to make these seemingly stuff that that you know don't last very long it's not like you're chopping down a tree and you're making furniture that's going to last you 20 30 years <laughs> you're chopping down trees to wipe your bombs and it's gone you know and, and these trees had to like you know it took like 30 40 years to grow and then you know can you imagine <laughs> that tree thinking oh my god i've been alive for 40 years and all i end up is in the toilet bowl. <laughs> <laughs> So I think, you know, you can make fun conversations out of it in school, but importantly then get them to think about what other things that are currently made in a specific way where you can actually find good sustainable alternatives. And and I use the word sustainable here in a, in a way to describe where, um, you know, you, you use it without actually harming the environment. So for example, bamboo is a really great source because even when you cut it down, the roots remain. So, so you don't have the soil erosion and it grows a lot quicker. So in terms of trying to support the growing population, it's it's a, a better product, I guess, a better source compared to trees that takes at least, you know, 10 times to 20 times longer. And there's so many good alternatives for so many other products. For example, our cleaning products where, you know, you have one for your for your window cleaner and then you have one for the toilet bowl and then you have one for, for, for different things. There's this whole bunch of stuff that, that comes in so many colorful bottles that we probably don't need. And, and when you look at the ingredients list, you probably 
think it's like you know you're you're you're, you're kind of conducting some complex experiment that's going to combust any moment and the reality is a lot of the stuff can be removed and and fundamentally you know having gone through the research hence why i can say this um with some level of confidence is a lot of the stuff is unnecessary and and can be can be safely replaced with with less harmful and less toxic um products and you can you don't need to buy those single use plastic bottles each time because you know those plastic bottles are the ones that are contributing to our existing pollution and if we can just get one long life and then you know take some whether it's it's a tiny solution or in powder form and you just add them and that's going to do the same job why not you know start shifting our mindset towards that so it's kind of trying to to show people there's a different way but also getting them comfortable to it it's just like how when you know all those years ago when we had to adopt computers i'm sure we we don't even think about it now but you know it did take some time for people to adopt to using computers it was such a it was such a change and also with mobile phones i remember when i was young like my uncle had this massive thing <laughs> and i'm like who's going to carry that around but you know we we evolve and so so i think right now we are on the cusp of of trying to live differently you know all, all the stuff that we used right now was 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 created in a way to help help housewives in the 50s to be more efficient or to help them reduce the workload effectively without actually thinking about the consequence but here we are so so right now it's um you know it's it's on a, on onto the next path if you like yeah and i think you're right you know it was a different time and now luckily it's another different time and we can you know we can make those conscious decisions in a different way and the thing that always um strikes me and i don't know why it became such a thing but it seems to me now that everybody has a, a multi-use water bottle whereas it wasn't that long ago that people would literally just buy another plastic bottle and then another one and another one and another one and, and that that shift seems to have sort of happened sort of relatively overnight it just sort of seemed to materialize maybe that was just in my experience in my world but it just you just think it only just needs for that to become a movement where everyone starts to do it and wants to do it um and then it can change quite quickly yes and i also think the reason why it's been the way we look at it, it's been adopted fairly quickly it's also because the advent of social media you know you have lots and lots and lots of different people talking about it and You've, and it, it's also popularizing it amongst you know all the different generations that you know then they want to kind of get onto that trend and and again if they see one of their favorite I guess influencers or, or K-pop bands or whatever it is using something similar that that's like another inspiration for them so I think social media has helped accelerate trends and and so in that way it's you know we can look at it as a force for good but equally we know the challenges that come with it but it's it's about trying to find ways to leverage it for the good is really where we can you know i think especially right now that's that's such a powerful tool to reach all different generations and all different age groups yeah i agree and i think i think one of the really positive things is is that you know we know that about advertising and targeting and that kind of thing but once you're entering into something positively then you may well become aware of a company or or something like that that you would never have come across organically any in any other way that can make all the difference you know because you know you're looking at sustainability in one part of your life and then there's suddenly an advert for a company that's doing it in a different part 
and 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 that's a very positive momentum and, and as you said you know there's also the reverse of that depending on on um on the algorithms and the sorts of things that you're doing but i think if if, if you're always looking at this is in a positive situation and what you can get out of it and how it can be a force for good then then i think that's one of those things that really does make a, um, an amazing difference yes and i think whether whether i like it or not my my young children do do you know they are on youtube kids they you know they they look at things and 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 all these and right now you know what i find quite fascinating when i was growing up all, all we had was cartoons on the tv and right now young children they see other young children playing with toys and they find it fascinating and i'm just it just my, my mind boggles i'm like how can you find that fascinating but it's created this whole new new era of of i guess self-production if you like and i think in some ways kids also want to feel inspired by other kids and i think that's a that's another way we can we can leverage to you know we, there's so many channels by moderated by parents where, where they create all these different programs with their children and i think you know we can see a lot of sustainability stuff and you know how how and what we can do right now through this through these young programs that can also then inspire young kids i think it's amazing i really thank you for coming on and sharing your story because i think it's very easy um in the, an education podcast to be talking specifically about the, the nuts and bolts of schools and and what I love about our conversations is that we can have this kind of learning idea um, and I think so many of the things we've touched on really just sort of happen across absolutely everything um, across the board and um, and I think people can take that in any way they want and then feed it back into all their conversations in so many different ways. And I think that's the way education is changing. And a little bit like we were talking about the social media, the way things are morphing and how people have different touch points about their learning and how that develops. And I, I think that's a really exciting thing. It's very hard to pinpoint, but I think it is the way things will change in a more organic way rather than the, the magic wand, which uh, is probably a little bit of a way off yet in, in terms of what that's going to look like. So, um, yeah, um, thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it and um and i really hope people go in and check out the site because it sounds like this is just the beginning and um like say with new products coming in you'll be a real tour de force in, in changing your, everyone's opinions and, and the way they can go about using these products well thank you so much thank you for having me on thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community with over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.